This is the Inside Slant Football Podcast. And here we go, here we go. Brought to you by JayhawkSlant.com. Broadcasting around the world. Around the world. We have the latest on KU recruiting, analysis, and what the coaches and players are saying behind the scenes. Here are your hosts, Randy Withers and John Kirby. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers. Welcome into another edition of the Inside Slam podcast from jayhawkslant.com. It is Christmas week and folks, buckle up because it's a football only edition of the Inside Slant. We have a lot to cover from the recruiting trail, the transfer portal, the Liberty Bowl. It's the first time we've had a bowl game to cover on this podcast. Our predictions for the game against Arkansas and Anything and everything else you can think of regarding Kansas Jayhawk football. Before we get into it, I've got to bring in the man on the Kansas football beat, our publisher, my good friend, John Kirby. John, how you doing? Randy, I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Man, I'm just trying to stay warm. It is brutally cold <laughs> here in Kansas City. Oh, my it, God. It is, man. I'll tell you, I went out, uh, went out to the grocery store today and... I jumped out of the car like I was just going to, you know, just that little walk into the store. And I mean, I got out and this wind hit me the minute I got out. And I was like, God dang, it is, it is cold. I, I went out yesterday and uh, started shoveling my driveway. I got all the steps done. I got a real steep, long driveway. I got about mm-hmm. halfway. I, I got a little over halfway. And I, I finally go, you know what? Something's wrong with this picture. I am out here freezing in my <laughs> and my two teenage boys are inside. So I, I walked yeah, that, in. That that ain't how that's supposed to no, work, John. I walked in and I go, "Hey, boys, grab your hatch, your gloves and get out and finish the driveway." And there were some long faces. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it, it it's that take your breath kind of cold. Like I was, I was walking up to the hospital to go to work the other day and, or actually, yeah, yesterday morning. And I mean, just slaps you across the face. Can't get your breath. You know, you're, it's so dry and cold. It makes your nose bleed a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, it's brutal. You and I, we were talking about it just a minute ago. It seems like even the, some of the equipment we use for the podcast was freezing up because things were going a little bit slow. That's right. We're doing the old podcast over the remote for the holidays and so i'm wondering if when we were doing it when we were testing it out i wonder if it's so cold the the mics freeze up but uh yeah hey listen speaking of weather i i just saw that the it looks like you know memphis is kind of under the some of that same cold spell but there mm-hmm. if the meteorologists are right which we know they aren't always it looks like that thing could be clearing out and maybe mid 50s for the bowl game on bowl game day so that would be tremendous if that happened oh. Absolutely. Well, and it's it, it, this morning on eight ten. Lezak was saying that it's entirely possible that by you know later part of next week here in Kansas City, it could be in the sixties. And he said he was like, "That's from an air temperature standpoint, you're talking about a swing of nearly a hundred degrees." That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't in know that. seven. Oh my god! Like he said that, and and Nate Bukati was like, "What?" And he said, "I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's what we're looking at." And it's. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely absurd around here right now. Well, with everything that's going on, you know, we've talked, we, we've gotten into the weather. Obviously, Christmas is just a couple days away. 
recruiting Christmas was just a couple days ago. Let's get into what happened on Wednesday as the Jayhawks announced 12 high school players signing in the 2023 class. John, as a group, I'm interested to hear your take on this class, what Leipold and his staff have been able to put together through the early signing period, and and what do you like about this group? Randy, one thing, when I laid everybody out and started looking at it on paper, you know, one thing that stood out to me was you got 12 signees early, okay? Mm -hmm. Eight of them are from different states. Eight different states make up 12 guys. So that kind of tells you that they're able to go about California, Florida, and find find players, okay, because we've talked about this. Obviously, they want to recruit local, which we'll get into, and they were able to do that, but they've got to be able to find find guys to fill out that high school class. And the fact that they're getting some, you know, guys from other states and outside regions is a great thing because, it, you know, I asked Lance Leipold at the press conference the other day, about like a, a Detroit connection that's going on with Jameel Croft and and they got him. Yeah. They've, got, they've got several guys from Detroit, okay? And then, you know, Lance Leipold made a great comment or a great point. He said, you know, when they go to California, people out there now know who Jalen Daniels is, okay? So now there's another state that Kansas can go to and say, hey, look at this, you know, our starting quarterback that's, you know, getting headlines all over the country. They're from California. And, and, you know, there's a way to tie them in. So, you know, everybody was, I want to say all 12 recruits were either low three-star to high three-star. Just solid distribution. You know, just just all solid recruits. You know, one of the things I liked about it, Randy, these guys were all really good to interview. Good kids, you know, good personalities. I love what KU did late. Okay, they were able to get Calvin Clements from Free State. They were able to get Jaden mm-hmm. Ham from Eudora. They were able to get Johnny Thompson running back from California. So, you know, I just, it's just a solid start to the class. Okay. I mean, I, you know, not, not a whole lot more, not a whole lot less. Um, somebody asked the other day, they said, who, who's going to play the fastest? And I looked down the list and I kind of said, hopefully nobody. Right. I mean, cause you start looking exactly. down the group exactly. and, and KU brings a lot of guys back next year and the, and the and we'll get into this later but the pieces of the players that I expect to play early are going to be the guys they're getting in from the transfer portal at some of these positions so you know listen this is a great start to the class 12 12 high school players we'll get into the portal later where they've got five commitments that doesn't show in the rankings right now in rivals but that'll that'll change they're going to integrate everything so it's off to a good start and we really don't know where they're going to end up being able to finish in terms of numbers until we see maybe who hits the portal now i know you said months ago that the number of uh, you know the number would be around 15 high school players and the rest would be juco guys or or transfers through the portal do you think that's still going to be the case when when all said and done with a 2023 class you know randy it, it i don't know that's a great question um I 15 has been the number and I've kind of heard that, that that was the goal. Okay. It could be 14. They could find a guy. Remember last year they were kind of done with high school players and then they got on Brian Dilworth. He had been committed to Auburn for like, I don't know, seven months, eight months. I can't remember. It was a long time. And he was, he was down in Florida and they had a chance to get him and they really liked his film and they went after him. So there was a high school guy that came out of nowhere that they weren't expecting. And the the same thing can happen because something we've talked about, Randy, with high school football players right now, 
the portal and the JUCO transfers, it seems like there there's a spotlight on those guys. And when when you got guys and they're out there and they're focusing on the portal, a lot of programs more, I think there will be high school guys that do pop up late. So I don't want to put an end to the high school recruiting. I, You know, they could still look for a quarterback. I mean, uh-huh. there, there's one of those out there. So you never know when a Brian Dilworth's going to come along and and who a couple players, and I don't want to say fall into their laps, but look, a month ago, if I told you Calvin Clements and Jaden Ham were going to end up at KU, you'd have told me, no way, okay? I mean, it, it, it never looked like that. So we really don't know, uh, but 15, I don't know. Hey, I, I, I think it could stretch to 14, but it'll be right in that range. Okay. Now, John, I know you love when I do this. I hope you're ready because we're going to do another edition of the Inside Slant Lightning Round. I'm going to go down (laughs) the list of all 12 players, and I want you to tell me something about each one in a few sentences. This can be something, you know, interesting about the kid, something you like about their film, you know, whatever it is. I expect you to be able to answer and answer quickly, okay? <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, let's start with Marcus Calvin. Uh, defensive tackle from Florida. He's got crazy upside. Uh, the thing about Calvin is a lot of people don't know. I've written about this. He was a big-time AAU basketball player, and he played on like some of those top AAU teams out of Florida, and he still was doing that this summer. So at six foot three, 290 pounds, just think of a kid that size out playing on the perimeter, shooting threes on some of the top AAU teams. So I think right there, that just talks about his ceiling of potential at six foot three, 290 pounds, and that athletic. A 300 pound two guard is what you're telling me. Yes, and can shoot the three. <laughs> he And Marcus will tell you he can shoot the three. That's insane. Okay, that, that, I love that. I love that. Tell me about Jamil Croft. Yeah, defensive back from Michigan. Just talked about him a little bit ago. He's in that Detroit pipeline. Hey, what, what I think of is winner. He's back to back state championship team. Um, I think we've got him the 12th best prospect in the state in Michigan. And I want to say, I can't remember if we got him as an athlete or we finally switched him over to corner, but I think we have him either the number two corner or the number two athlete in the state. And, and let me tell you something about Jamil Croft. He's good enough on the offensive side of the ball. He was getting some looks from some schools on offense too. So he's a, a very good football player. With that, do you think he could be in the tradition of Charles Gordon and Aqib Talib, do you think we could see him play both ways? Uh, well, I just don't know that. You know, I, I, okay. don't, I don't know that. You, they're they're trying to get a lot of wide receivers on on that depth chart right now, so I don't know. Okay, I got you. What about Taylor Davis? Yeah, safety out of Houston. Uh, he was nominated for the Houston Touchdown Club, the Defensive Player of the Year, which, by the way, is a very prestigious award because, mm-hmm. you, as you can imagine, there's some football players that come out of Houston. So Just a couple. Just a few. And there, you know, he was the district player of the year uh, on defense there, athletic for a safety. I'll tell you what, there were some times where I watched his film. I was like, man, you know, this guy's got traits like a corner. He, he reads the ball real well. He plays the ball well. So, but, but, you know, he's, he's being recruited as a safety. Okay. So that is Taylor Davis. What about the hometown kid himself, Calvin Clements? Well, hey, I mean, he needs no introduction to most of the people listening to this. Offensive lineman from Free State. We had him the top offensive tackle in the state. And there's no doubt he has one of the best frames of an offensive tackle I've seen coming out of here in a long time. I'm talking when he's listed at 6'7", 290, 
That's no joke. I mean, he is every bit 6'7", 290. And when you see him in person, you're like, you know him when he walks in the door. And the, the big thing with Calvin, Randy, I thought KU handled this to perfection. You know, the Fuchs family, Scott Fuchs, and, and then his sons go to school with them and they're friends with them. They go to the same church. KU handled this recruiting so well. Scott Fuchs never pressured him. He let all this kind of happen naturally, and he was there at the right time. Tony Terry. Yeah, defensive lineman out of Jackson High School. You know, God, he, I mean, when you see him in person, you think, man, his body looks like he's ready to go D1 right now. He's like 6'4", 240. Um, you know, he came to several games this year. I, I mean, I, I want Tony Terry was at more KU games as an unofficial visitor this this fall than anybody else. And and listen, he had offers early, and he had chances to flip and you know open his options up. But Tony Terry committed early, and he stayed true to KU. Defensive tackle Blake Harold. Yeah, from Iowa, untapped potential. I saw him at the summer camp, and I, when somebody said, "Hey, that kid right there was two hundred and forty five pounds," I'm like, "No way." I'm like, no way. He looks like he's 215, 220. I mean, he carries 245 so well. And when they released the signing day, when they released all the players, they had him listed as a defensive tackle, I believe. And that's because they know when this kid hits the weight room, he can he may go 290 overnight. Mm. I mean, this, this guy can carry. He's athletic. And you know what's interesting, Randy, with this Blake Harold? Very under the radar. I'm really surprised when one of the guys from Rivals watched his film. He was like, who is this kid? And he watched him. He goes, this is the kind of guy that Iowa always recruits. He he said this is this reminds me of the kid Iowa takes and makes him one of those all ten all Big Ten defensive linemen. And I'll tell you what, another reason is a sleeper. His high school canceled football. I want to say sometime in mid to late September they canceled it for the rest of the year. And I mean the the kid is untapped potential. Wow. Okay. That I love the sound of that. Tell me about Jarrett Sample. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, wide receiver, uh, Cypress, Texas. Kansas has three wide receivers it signed. And I just kind of felt all year long that Siraz got a lot of play. Um, you know, he's got a great personality. And and Keaton Kubeka comes from Westlake, which is a winning program. And I always kind of felt Sample was sitting kind of down there in terms of the way the fans looked at everybody as number three. But let me tell you about Jared Sample. He is, he, he will be, he is the fastest of the three. And he can flat out make things go. They do a lot of bubble screens with him, get him the ball in space. And I'll tell you, once he hits a seam and he hits that second level, he's gone. When you go back and watch all minutes and minutes of his highlight film, he plays football in a very good area. He never gets caught from behind. You mentioned Keaton Kubeka. Tell us about the wide receiver from Westlake. Yeah, I mean, he plays at one of the best high school programs in the country. He can do it all. I I thought when he had to show some speed, he showed it. When he had to be a possession guy, he showed it. When he had to go up and get a ball, he could do it. Um, You know, it was interesting watching Westlake. They've got a receiver, and I can't remember his name. His number nine. He signed at Notre Dame. Very talented. I think he was banged up. But, man, there were times where I watched him when they were both healthy I thought Kubeka was every bit as good as this kid. I mean, it's a high school quarterback's dream to have both of them to throw to, but Keaton Kubeka comes. He is a good player on one of the great programs in the country. Let's talk about another local kid just from down the road in Eudora, Jaden Ham. 
Yeah, crazy upside. I mean, 6'6", 220, 225. You know, he had early offers from Michigan, Tennessee, Penn State. And that was just based off his potential. And, and that's what all the college guys recruit for, Randy. I mean, they all recruit what can this kid end up being. And, and his potential of anybody in that, uh, of these 12 guys that we're talking about, probably has as high a ceiling about as anybody. You know, the, the thing about him was he played in a uh, defensive end. He's being recruited to KU as a tight end, but at Eudora, they ran the flex bone. When I had a chance to talk to Drew Steffen, their head coach there, you know, there, there was two things that stood out to me. Number one, he talked about what a team leader he was. And number two, he said, this kid could be a Division One defensive end if he wanted to, too. So that shows you that, you know, where he is athletically. Okay, so you mentioned earlier Johnny Thompson. Tell us about the kid from Oaks Christian out in California. Yeah, running back. And, and you know what? He's like, he's a, to me, kind of like Jaden Ham. He picked up a lot of offers. Uh, USC, Oregon, I mean, everybody out on the West Coast was offering him. He committed to USC, okay? Ended up decommitting. And, you know, Randy, and I'm going to get off, uh, I'm going to get off the topic here, but you and I have talked about this. People, people bring up, well, how many committable offers did he have, okay, when he committed to KU? That doesn't matter, okay? What matters is, is the fact that USC offered him and took his commitment, okay? USC doesn't offer a lot of kids who can't play football and take their commitment. Oregon doesn't offer a lot of guys. Now, maybe at some point they got their running back or they finally looked at him and said, you know, we want somebody a little faster, a little bigger. But the fact that he got those offers shows you what he can do on the football field. Okay, so you mentioned this guy again earlier, too. Tell us about Saraz Bunkum, another kid from out in California. This one from Mater D in San Diego. Yeah, another, uh, I'll say, winner. He, he helped his team to a state championship. He caught two touchdown passes in the title game. His brother was a heck of a football player at Stanford. And Saraz, honestly, he's been one of the best personalities in this class. Always fun to talk to. And you know what he's done? He has done a great job of getting out there, promoting Kansas, staying true to KU, and helping recruit and get out there and tell recruits, hey, join me at, me at Kansas. This program's going places. All right, the last one. One of the most talked about players over the last several weeks, linebacker from Denver, Colorado, Logan Brantley. Yeah, yeah, out of Cherry Creek. Um, again, won the state championship, another winner. So I think Logan Brantley, of all 12, might have the best chance to be on the field next year just because – you know, KU's still searching for linebackers, and they're trying to figure out what's going on there. Mm-hmm. I expect him to go after the portal. But, you know, Logan Brantley's that type of guy. Uh, Lance Leipold, one of the things that he said the other day, he had about a, I don't know, 30-minute press conference. One of the things that he said that stood out to me more than anything was that this guy is a type of guy who can be a team captain at KU someday. So I think that says it all about Logan Brantley. And Deion Sanders made a run at him at Colorado an in-state kid, and he stuck with the Jayhawks. Okay, now we've talked about the high school signees in this class. Let's move on to the transfer portal. And Kirby, I'm going to give you the floor. Tell us about the commitments that we've gotten through the portal, or excuse me, that not we, that Lance Leipold's program has picked up through the transfer portal for this class. Who's still on the board, and, and what are you expecting over the next month? Well, here, I'll start with who 
KU's gotten, and I'll start with the most recent one. It just happened yesterday. Austin Booker from the University of Minnesota. He's a tall, rangy D end. I put up some film of him. I mean, you know, this kid moves and he plays physical. 6'6", 245 pounds, 85-inch wingspan. I'll I'll tell you an interesting story about this. He had a lot of offers. He could have gone to a lot of places, Purdue, Iowa, Virginia Tech, Cincinnati, and it came down to KU and Indiana because he's from Indiana, okay? The coach that recruited him to Minnesota is now the defensive coordinator at Indiana. And a lot of people thought that's where he's going to go, but Jim Panagos won out. KU's defensive tackles coach has done a great job recruiting in this in this class for sure. And Austin Booker committed to KU, and that was a big one. And I know it surprised some people. Um, and then he's got a teammate, Gage Keys, from the University of Minnesota as well, defensive tackle. Panagos did recruit him to Minnesota. I know it came down to KU or Virginia Tech for Keys, and he went with the Jayhawks, and that was another big one because the Jayhawks need help on the interior of the defensive line, and they'll also get some from Devin Phillips from Colorado State. He started every game he played in there. He's every bit 310 pounds. He is strong, and he is going to be one of those guys that really gives them some added strength on the inside of that 4-3 defense, and if I think Devin Phillips is going to push hard to be a starter. I would be shocked if he's not a starter next year. And then probably the biggest name in the portal right now, Logan Brown from Wisconsin. We've got him one of the top 10 portal players in the entire database right now. We have him ranked the number one offensive lineman. Listen, this guy is talented. He's got a chance to help the minute he steps on campus. I mean, he's definitely going to be in that mix to be a starter. Uh, Huge pickup. Stayed true to KU. He committed early in the season for being a portal guy. He was allowed to go in the portal, take his visit, and he stuck with KU. And I'm telling you, he had chances to leave, and he didn't do it. And the last one is Seth Keller, a kicker from Texas State. We all know Kansas is looking for a kicker. He's 85%, I believe, he had of of his field goal attempts in his career there. He's been really good late Memphis came in, offered him, tried to get him. North Carolina offered him, tried to get him. He took his visit to Kansas. He canceled all the other visits. And Seth Keller is a guy that I think he has a chance to be the guy the minute he steps on campus. And you asked about what's left. Well, I'll tell you, Randy, we're just going to have to wait and see. We've got to wait and see what happens after the bowl game because I don't know. I don't know specifics. Who, will, who could enter the portal for Kansas, but I have a feeling you may see a couple guys. It, it happens all the time. It happened last year. Um, I mean, that's when, Kansas got, that's when Kansas got Lonnie Phelps, okay? I mean, Phelps entered exactly. the bowl game after his team played a bowl game. You're going to see a run in the portal here now after these players get done with their bowl game. So if Kansas has two, three, four guys go in, next thing you know, they've got nine spots to fill in the month of January. So that's really going to depend on what we look at down the road. I still think that, you know, you're going to see a, you know, I think they could target a quarterback and I don't know if it'll be high school or portal. You could target a wide receiver, still D line linebacker, defensive back. I still think they'll look at O lineman. So there, there's still a lot to go here in January of what could happen. And I do want to, I want to talk about one thing that also happened this week. And it's something we talked about on the last podcast. The NCAA had a rule, okay, that they had official visits. Every school got 56 official visits. Mm -hmm. I can tell you I know for a fact 
there were three Big 12 schools, and Kansas wasn't even as bad off as these guys, but there were three Big 12 schools that were starting to get to the point they were worried if they were going to have enough official visits for their spots left to fill. Okay, and that's a problem. Because if Uh you've got seven spots to fill and five official visits left, you're in trouble because you're going to have to convince somebody to come see your campus on an unofficial visit. So this week, the NCAA, I think they tacked on 12 or 14. God, I can't remember. But anyway, they have given everybody extra official visits. And I brought this up on the last podcast, and I said, this is a problem because you cannot have colleges run out of official visits because everything's changed with the portal. So now you're mm-hmm. bringing kids in earlier. You're bringing more guys in for visits. And finally, they did the right thing. So I And I, that's big for KU because if KU ends up with more spots than they have now, they probably would have run out of official visits, but I think they'll be okay now. We are just days away from the Liberty Bowl matchup for the Jayhawks in Arkansas on December 28th. Before we get into our predictions, John is going to take us over to the studio line where we have Mason Schott, who covers Arkansas for the Rivals Network. He's going to give us the in, an inside look at the Razorbacks as they gear up for the bowl game against the Kansas Jayhawks. We are going to break down the Liberty Bowl and welcome in our guest to talk about the Razorbacks, Mason Choate, and he is the publisher of hogbeat.com. Mason, how you doing? I'm doing great, John. Looking forward to next Wednesday. I'm going to make the trip up to Memphis, and uh, I'm excited to be there and watch the last game of the season. Well, I've got to, you know, there this game's uh, been circled once it was announced it's kind of an intriguing matchup especially from the Kansas fan side you know get to play an SEC team and somebody that you know is not too far from the state and and I want to ask you this because it's been a topic on our board and you and I have exchanged emails and calls about this just take us through the players who aren't going to be there because I know that's been something that's been talked about um, the guys who've either declared for the draft or have entered the portal just get us caught up to speed on that yeah so as of the time that we're talking right now arkansas has had 25 players wow. uh, scholarship players and walk-on players enter the transfer portal um luckily at least for arkansas most of those players aren't like in you know huge contributors they they did lose seven starters um uh, you know they're starting tight end a couple receivers uh probably their best secondary player who got hurt in the the first game of the season that's Jalen Catalan so they didn't really have him all year anyways um but of course he's a guy that you don't want to lose but he wasn't going to play in this game anyways um they did lose Miles Slusher their nickelback he was a talented player committed to Louisville um they're going to miss him I think that it's a, a drop-off there at Nickelback to Jaden Johnson from Miles Slusher. So that's one guy that they're going to be missing. But the guys who declared for the draft are the most important names. And that's starting center Ricky Stromberg, who arguably is the best center in the SEC. Jaden Hazelwood, receiver. He transferred in from Oklahoma. Former five-star prospect. He was, a, he was a good receiver with Arkansas this year. Maybe didn't produce as much as what people expected. But, you know, he was a solid – I felt like he was a security blanket for quarterback K.J. Jefferson most of the year. You know, he played his role and did it well, didn't really make mistakes. And then, of course, Drew Sanders, linebacker. Um, honestly, I feel like he got snubbed of the Dick Butkus Award. I think that he had better stats than the winner. 
the guy from Iowa. But, I mean, Drew Sanders, incredible pass rusher, elite pass rusher. He'll probably be a first-round draft pick. Um, but, you know, he's making a business decision by not playing in this game. So those are really the big names that you want to know that Arkansas is going to be missing. But, you know, if you really just break it down, they still have a lot of their key players, and it starts with starting quarterback K.J. Jefferson. All right, so I'm going to I'm gonna go back to the defense. Uh, you know, you, you've talked about some guys that are missing there. What do you expect? How much will the losses impact the defense? And, you know, how do you see this matchup with the defense against KU? Well, here's the thing. Even with everybody, you know, on, on the roster, not including guys, you know, transferring out, Drew Sanders not playing, this Arkansas defense struggled a lot this year, especially the secondary. And, I mean, I'm looking at the numbers now, and I think, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six players have entered the, the transfer portal from the secondary. Um, most of those depth pieces, but I mentioned Slusher as a starter. Uh, so that they're going to be, you know, they're going to have guys playing in the secondary who it's going to be hard for them to get a breather. Uh, one of their starting corners is Quincy McAdoo. He's a freshman, true freshman, uh, came in as a wide receiver, they moved into defensive back when they had injuries and they needed a guy over there, and now he's starting at corner. Um, I mean, he, he did really well the few games that he started, but, you know, he's still learning the position. They do have a guy, Dwight McLaughlin, transferred from LSU. He's, he's a very, very solid corner, played good this year. He was one of the bright spots on the defense. I think that the defensive line is going to be good. Um, they didn't really lose anybody. On the defensive line, they lost, they lost starting defensive tackle Isaiah Nichols, but he didn't, he wasn't really a huge playmaker. No disrespect to him, but um, I think that they have younger guys who are more talented, and you know that starts with a guy named Cam Ball. He's going to get the start at defensive tackle. He's a redshirt freshman, and I think that he's really talented. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, so the, the D line, I think, is going to be fine. Linebacker is where you want to you, you want to be looking at because. I mentioned Sanders, the other linebacker who was a starter for most of the year, bumper pull. Um, he's a he's a career leader leader in tackles for the University of Arkansas, and he had hip surgery before the season finale against Missouri. So he's not going to play again in a Razorback uniform. So you're going to be looking at redshirt freshman Chris Paul. Uh, they call him Pooh Paul. He's going to be starting, and then they're going to have true freshman Jordan Crook starting alongside him. So two. Uh, fairly unexperienced or inexperienced linebackers starting for Arkansas. So that's going to be the position to watch. Not a lot of experience there. But Paul, I'll tell you what, Pooh Paul is a very, very talented linebacker. Jordan Crook is as well, but we haven't seen that much of him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see the, the linebacker position. Okay, jumping over to the offensive side. We, we know that there's some weapons there. Talk about the offense and what can Kansas fans look for and what to and what to expect from Arkansas there? Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned you know, a little bit ago, KJ Jefferson. That's where it starts. He's the starting quarterback in year two as the starter. Uh, missed two games this season, and those two games, I mean, you could tell that Arkansas's offense was just stagnant. He is he's more important than any player on this team, uh, which normally happens with the quarterback. But you saw with Arkansas that when KJ Jefferson wasn't in. Uh, it was just a different team. So they're they're happy to have him. He, he announced that he's coming back for another season next year. Um, so he's going to play in this game. He's a, he's a big quarterback. He throws the deep ball as good as anybody in the SEC. Um, and, of course, he can run over 
any player on the defense. He does not like to slide. He likes to lower the shoulder and just run guys over. And he's really good at it. He's a great scrambler. And then running back, Rocket Sanders. Um, that's his, his nickname is Rocket. His first name is Raheem, but we call him Rocket Sanders. Um, he's so talented. Once he gets into the open field, it's hard to get that guy down. Um, should have led the SEC in rushing this year, but they struggled to run the ball in the last game against Missouri, so he just came short of uh, Quinchon Judkins at Ole Miss. So, but I mean, number two in the SEC in rushing, uh, very very talented running back. But it's not just him; they got three running backs: AJ Green and Rashad Dubinian are behind him. I mean, they're very very good running backs as well. So Arkansas is going to try to establish the run game, and uh, for the most part, they're normally able to do so. Um, up front, they are going to be missing Stromberg, as I mentioned. Uh, so they're going to move the right guard, Bo Limmer, over to center. But he was their backup center all year anyways. So uh, up front, they should be good because they're just bringing in a guy in Tykes Crawford off of uh, off the second team line. And, he, I mean, he started one game when they were missing a tackle. So I, I think they'll be fine there. Tight end is a position to look at because they lost Trey Knox, the starter. He transferred to South Carolina. So – um, they're, I don't know exactly what their plan is at tight end. I think that they're just going to throw in Nathan Bax, who is a very experienced guy, but they're probably not going to throw the ball to the tight end very much. Um, and then at receiver, as I mentioned, they, they lost Hazelwood. They lost a starter in Keytron Jackson. They lost a starter in Warren Thompson. So receiver's really the position that they're going to be uh, you know, pretty, pretty shorthanded at. They still have Matt Landers, who is their leading receiver, this year, he was a transfer from Toledo, and I mean, he's he's probably going to be the fastest guy on the field of both teams. So uh, he's very talented. But after Landers, it's just a bunch of young, unproven guys like Bryce Stevens, Jaden Wilson. Uh, you'll probably see some true freshmen like Sam Bakke and Isaiah Satania um, get some run as well. Satania was, I mean, he was a, I think he led all high school wide receivers last year uh, in receiving yards in the nation. And, I mean, he's a track guy. He's going to run track for Arkansas very, very fast. But we haven't seen him play, really. We saw He's only got one catch on the year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the receiver position. In last year's bowl, when they were shorthanded at receiver, they just ran the ball a lot, and they beat Penn State. So maybe they do the same thing this year. They don't, they don't really try to throw the ball unless they have to, and they'll just run it all over if they can. All right, Mason, that takes us to my final question. You were kind of talking about, you know, what they can do offensively and maybe what their plan is. How do you see this matchup? And, and give me a prediction on how you think it might play out. So it's tough because I don't really know what to expect from Arkansas's defense. I think from the offensive perspective, like I said, they're going to try to establish the run. Um, even if you know they're struggling to do that, it's going to be hard for them to go away from it because they don't really have many guys to catch the ball. Um, so, I think the offense, you know, if they're able to get some push up front, uh, up front against Kansas, they're going to be fine. Um, control the line of scrimmage, control the time of possession, but then defensively, I don't, I don't know what they're going to be able to do because I mean, the secondary, I think they're going to be fine. Um, you know, they, they didn't. The players that they lost in the secondary, aside from Slusher, as I mentioned, um, are guys that weren't really going to play that much anyways. But the linebacker position is one to watch. You'll probably see some mistakes there. But I think for the most part, uh, you know, even though Arkansas lost a lot of players, I think that they're still going to be able to do what their game plan has been every game 
And the fact that they, they're going to have a healthy K.J. Jefferson is very, very important because he is just a game changer. He's an extremely talented quarterback. Um, so, you know, I think if Arkansas is able to come out, you know, run the ball well, complete a few passes to guys like Matt Landers, maybe a Bryce Stevens, I think that they're going to do fine. Um, I really don't see them losing to Kansas, even with this roster. But I'll tell you what, the fan base is not going to be happy and they're going to be freaking out if they lose to Kansas. Well, Mason, we appreciate the breakdown and we we will see you at the game in the press box. And I appreciate you joining us. Absolutely, John. Looking forward to it, man. All right, Kirby. It is time for our final prediction segment of the season. Let's break this thing down and and figure out where this thing's going to end up for KU. Yeah, Randy, I've had, man, I have struggled with this game. I've tried to play it out. And, you know, the, the problem is, is when you watch other teams, it depends when you watch them, okay? Of course. So, like, if you watch KU and you turned them on against TCU, you go, man, they're really good. Okay, if you watched KU against Houston early in the year, you're going, man, they are a handful offensively. Or if you watched them against Texas, you go, ooh, they really struggled, okay? They really just didn't even compete. So I've watched Arkansas play. The the game that I watched them play the most was Ole Miss. And, I mean, they just dismantled Ole Miss. I mean, they looked unbelievable. So, and I know, I know they've got their down games. I think they lost, they lost Liberty. They lost on the road at Missouri. I mean, and I know they've had some games where they haven't played like they have it when they, when they're at the top of their game. Arkansas does well what KU doesn't defend well. Okay. I mean, KJ Jefferson, the quarterback, He's a running threat. He's tremendous. He throws the ball well. I think he only had four interceptions this year. He's tough to bring down. Their offensive line's physical, but like Mason said, they're going to be missing their center, and he is a big piece to what they do. They're going to be missing some guys on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, you try to figure out, you know, 25 guys will be missing from this game who were with Arkansas. Now, now some of them were walk-ons, but it's still a pretty big number. I think KU can move the ball. And and I'll tell you the biggest thing to me is Andy Kotelnicki, who has just signed a new contract, and it's great to have him around, keep that continuity. He's done some great things. I think we've all seen how creative he can be as an offensive coordinator. He's got some time now to put a game plan in. He's got Jalen Daniels healthy, all right? When, when Daniels came back against Texas, that wasn't the Jalen Daniels in the offense that we saw earlier in the season. Then against Kansas State, it started to look a little bit more like that offense. You know, they were they were moving mm-hmm. the ball and they had their moments against Kansas State where they, they were getting yards against Kansas Absolutely. State and moving the football. So I think the big thing with this one is if Jalen Daniels is healthy and Kotelnicki can get back and get in and get the game plan and get this offense looking like it was those first five or six weeks, it's going to be a good football game. You know, a lot of people have said it's going to be a high-scoring game, but it may not because Arkansas can run the ball and they can chew the clock, and Kansas can run the ball. If Jalen Daniels gets the quarterback run game and the option going and Devin Neal's got some holes, 
you know, it could also be a game where that clock ticks and both teams are moving the ball on the ground. So, you know, this one's hard for me. It, it can go either way. I think it's a flip up. I'll tell you what, last game of the year, last prediction, I'm going Jayhawks. KU 35, Arkansas 31. What's yours? You know, John, it's it's interesting. I keep, you know, I mentioned this earlier in the year. Um, Gary Barnett, former coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. He's a regular on Sports Radio 810 on the morning show with Stephen and Nate. He made a comment going into bowl season. And, some, you know, somebody was talking about, hey, who, who should I lay money on? And the comment he made is, is there's in every one of these games, there is at least one team that you can tell wants to be there. Typically, you know, some of them, you know, like some of them you'll see a game where both teams clearly want to be there. You know, last night, Arkansas and Baylor sure didn't look like Baylor wanted to be there. Yeah, that was Air Force. Oh, Air Force and Baylor. Exactly. Sorry. Um, I think that is I think you can take that and look at this matchup with Kansas and Arkansas the same way. Arkansas is missing, you know, going to be missing 20 plus players from this game. Guys that have, that have opted out that are going to the draft guys that have hit the portal, you know, that just aren't going to be available. This is going to be a vastly different Arkansas squad than that. We saw even, you know, than the SEC saw in the, the finale against Missouri. I mean, this is this is not the same squad that Sam Pittman went into camp with uh, back in August. Um, You know, I've said before, I I have a lot of respect for Coach Pittman. He was he was with the Kansas program when I was there and was, you know, they were nice enough to let me rent a nice pair of pads and, and, and a helmet for a while when Coach Pittman was around. He's a fantastic guy and a obviously a heck of a football coach. I think he's going into this one with less than a full clip. That said, I'm with you. I think we've seen this Kansas offense start to round back into form after being without Jalen Daniels for, you know, really the middle part of the season. Um, we saw them knock off some rust. Uh, saw them at times look very good against Kansas State. I think KU will be healthy going into this game. We know that they'll be without Daniel Hyshaw, but we know that Jalen Daniels will be there. We know that Devin Neal will be healthy. They're going to be able to run the ball. You know, the receiving core, Luke Graham is going to go out and make plays. You're going to have guys able to get open. I fully expect the offense to look as good as we've seen it in, in, in a number of weeks. It's going to come down to how this how the Kansas defense is able to they're not going to stop Arkansas. I think it becomes a question of how efficient they can be at slowing them down. It's not going to take that many opportunities to to make a difference and, and give the KU offense a, a lead to work with. If they can just get off the field two or three times, force a few three and outs, I fully expect KU to have everything they need offensively to win this game. I'm going to say... I'm going a little a little bit different on the differential, but you and I, as usual, are typically right along the same lines. I'm going to say 38-31 KU. Well, that's not far off. It is. I was going to say you and I <laughs> we're typically right along the same line. So, and and that's, well, that's exactly season, what I was thinking. I didn't pick this. I didn't pick the same score as you, like it happened a couple times. Well, no, I, but hey, uh, this season. Yeah. This season, you and I have, it's been crazy. We have not varied much at all, which is unlike years past. 
Oh yeah. Well, and, and and that's the thing. It's like I told you the other day. I think this you know we've just we've just passed our seventy fifth episode of the Inside Slant podcast. So we've been doing this thing for a while. And yeah, until this year, we were typically on on opposite ends. So it's kind of funny how it, it, how we've come together in in this historic year for the Kansas Football Jayhawks. And as we get ready to wrap up this historic season for Kansas football. It's time to wrap up this edition, a football-only edition, a bowl game preview, and National Signing Day wrap-up edition of the Inside Slam podcast. We have previewed the matchup with the Arkansas Razorbacks. We have covered National Signing Day. We've gone name by name through the entire class of signees. We've told you about everything that's going on with the portal, the guys that KU has committed and what they might go shopping for over the next several weeks. You are as ready as can be for Christmas as well as the bowl season as the Jayhawks take on Arkansas on December 28th. For my man John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. Happy holidays. Happy Bowl week. We will talk with you again soon. This has been a podcast from JayhawkSlant.com.